everything means something like no speaker in any language ever says something for nothing. Everything has meaning. Um, yeah. Even when you just say, Oh, Nishan to I'm saying it for nothing. You're saying it for something. Jitta get the kid. Greetings, everyone. My name is Jessica Shonyas. My Nishnabe Nozwin is Miguanabikwe. I am Caribou Clan from Rama. Welcome to the Language Podcast. And uh, how about you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Neen. Squonk with Indigenous Cause. Quando dem. Thanks everybody for your coming. So we are episode three. If anyone is listening right now, just a disclaimer, I just heard my son and my husband walk in. So I thought <laughs> hopefully we won't pick up on that background noise, but maybe we will. Um, but he speaks in the language. So, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> um, so this is episode three. I figured we were just going to get right into it and talk about the grammar. And um, we're pro-grammar, spoiler to anyone <laughs> listening. Uh, I figured it was time to just delve into that topic because we've already kind of touched on it every other episode. And it's going to be a recurring theme. So I don't think this is going to be the all-encompassing one and only grammar episode. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be a theme throughout. But um yeah, if you're not into grammar, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's kind of, you kind of need to learn grammar stuff to learn when If you're coming from, a, you know, from a non-Nishnabe background, if you're if it's not your first language, you kind of need to learn grammar to to be able to speak it. Um, babies don't need to learn grammar. Babies and kids, we just need to like speak the language around them. But those of us who weren't raised in the language, we need to um, use it as a tool to, uh, to, to learn. I don't know if you can hear Ophelia yelling at me. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. So I too am programmer and I will say that, um, I don't know. There's a lot to talk about, right? But um for me, oh no, no, the cat's on the desk. Um, <laughs> for me, <laughs> a big turning point in my learning was. Bunny Ophelia. Keep on down. She's sitting like right beside the mic. <laughs> she's like, I'm a host too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for me, <laughs> for me, I was, um, and Ophelia too. Um, <laughs> So when I was trying to learn the when I didn't know how to say anything other than just like, um, <laughs> like Sorry, what, if, you know, one can see, but the cat is on your sh- shoulders now. Yeah. <laughs> Yelling at me. She never does this unless I'm uh, recording something or 
Unless you're trying to sound smart. In a meeting or trying to sound smart, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, go on. (laughs) No. Um, Okay, yeah. So when I was trying to learn, I didn't know how to say anything other than like, oh, odenang gija, mbakade, things like that, simple sentences. And um, when I picked up Marianne's course books, that's when I learned how to um, use the so-called conjunct form or B form of the verb. And then I was able to say things like, oh, like I'm happy when I fish. And mm-hmm. that was kind of like, that was a turning point because understanding that part of the grammar was essential to be able to um, start to speak better, start to like actually express my feelings. So that's why I feel like it's important because it's useful to help you actually speak. And I had heard, you know, I had heard like conjunct B form when trying to talk to speakers, but I had no idea why they were using verbs in like different ways. I couldn't understand um, what was going on there. And I tried to ask my gram, I was like, oh, why did you say this? And she's like, oh, it means this. And I'm like, I have no idea what the hell is going on here. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And we should... And likewise, for me, very much the same thing. I couldn't have said it any better than that. But um, you touched on an important point, too. There, we are programmer within certain, um, like, there's parameters or disclaimers to that. Like, like you said, right, children don't need to know this stuff. Hmm. That's how uh, fluent speakers don't need to know this stuff, because they learned it from the womb as babies, like, ideally, right? So grammar is more for adults i would say like like ourselves and that's mm. hopefully who's listening to this podcast but it's very much like grammar will will take you way farther than you could ever go sitting in a classroom or just studying words but mm. then because we have an adult mind not a sponge like baby brain that can just be immersed and it'll fill in the gaps and then you'll be fluent like a, like a miracle basically mm. um we don't have some of those capabilities so it's a combination of like studying grammar, putting in the work that lots of people don't like to do or don't want to do for good reason. Like it's not fun and it's not ideal, but those two things together, I think is the winning combo. And I've seen it work for people that have become fluent as a second language as adult learners. So for myself, I'm like, yeah, like, um, there's a lot of pushback, which we can get into Hmm. against grammar. Uh, which most of it I agree with, but at the same time, it's like we, I don't think we have the luxury to be like idealistic. It's like whatever is going to work. Right. Hmm. And our thinking too, is that us second language learners as adults, that's what we need, but we're doing this so that we can give that language to our kids. And so they don't have to go through that, right. They can learn it idealistically Hmm. um, from childhood and not having to study that stuff and just living it. So it's kind of, we're the in-between generation, hopefully, that's going to suffer a little bit. Cool. So that's our grammar episode. <laughs> yeah, thanks, for, thanks for tuning in. You got to learn grammar. Tough. <laughs> Tough bananas, kids. <laughs> I guess for myself, it's the grammar piece of it is really just giving an adult language learner the tools to like DIY it. And mm-hmm. to me, it's giving you the tools to be able to learn it and kind of teach yourself in a way and to start to be able to think in the language. Because before I had a good grasp of grammar, um, I was just like rote memorizing phrases, right? Mm-hmm. And I would hear 
those uh, certain things come up, like like you were saying, conjunct form, like eagle kea when I'm fish, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't understand what that was or how to use it. And so same thing, once I learned, um, I don't know, and people call it different things, B-form, dependent clause, conjunct, whatever, yeah. right? Um, when, if, that, I fish, those kind of phrases, um, yeah, my sentences started to get bigger and I was able to say a lot. And even just learning like what is the difference between transitive and intransitive because hmm. um, it's way different than English. Hmm. Um, yeah, because I was saying funky stuff before like Nuisin Shimen, I'm eating an apple. And I knew that was wrong, hmm. <laughs> like something I've never heard a speaker say that, but I didn't know how else to right? Like, Mm. so that's, that's until I learned what transitive and intransitive were, I was saying clunky stuff like that, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like now that I know grammar, and I know transitive, intransitive, animate, and inanimate, I can say dumwam shimen, right? Mm. As opposed to namijin monomen, right? And those are different too, because you can't mijin shimen, (laughs) (laughs) and you can't dumwam Manoman doesn't make any sense. Um, and that is hard for a speaker, like a, a fluent speaker to teach, like re- with all due respect, like in the most respectful way possible, because, mm. right, they don't have to know that. So I don't, I think Marianne Corbier, her course books are probably the only time that I've really been taught those things by mm. a fluent speaker. Um yeah, like I don't know where do I get my grammar. Le- I'm, a lot of my grammar lessons is as kind of like if we try to think of it like for me, um, they're like hacks that that have been passed on from other second language learners. Yeah, like once we went to Oog and Brendan Fairbanks um, started teaching us, um, you know, his discourse markers and grammar patterns. It was like whoa, okay, like this is the blueprint. Like this is right? There's patterns that are there. And if I put in the time and learn those patterns, then the sky's the limit. Right now I can say, I can sub in any verb. Yeah. And I think just to, um, just to give an example, for example, talking about, um, transitive verbs, transitive animate verbs. So this is something like see, like I see you, you see me, we see them. Um, it's a bit harder to learn than in English. Well, if English is your first language, then you just know how to conjugate the verbs. But in Nishnabimwen, um, there's so many different combinations of who's doing what to who. And you, um, you do that by putting different pieces on the verb, like prefixes and suffix suffixes, like no, I see, I see her or him. And, um, trying to memorize those patterns isn't going to work. Um, there's just too many, like you can't learn, you can't just memorize those things. But like you're saying, um, at Uganigabo was like showing us that, Hey, there are actual patterns to, um, to these little pieces of words that go on the verb to conjugate it. And once you learn that, it's kind of like a hack. It's like, okay, I don't need to memorize, um, every different form. I just need to understand that, there are patterns among these forms and depending on who's doing what they will show up on the verb and then yeah boom there you go that's the that's the hack oh darn i didn't know there was patterns <laughs> i was just memorizing <laughs> <laughs> okay we're going to have to do a part 2 <laughs> <laughs> 
because I was. But yeah, and even like, yeah, like seeing, that's a good example, hmm. right? I see him, so Noab Ma, he sees me, Noab Mek. Uh, when I see him, Wab Mak, when he sees me, Wab Mit, um, I see it. That's a total different verb. Yeah. Noab and Don or Noam Don. Mm-hmm. Um, I see, I don't know. Noab? <laughs> Dinab? Din- I've heard right? people say, that. yeah, yeah. Inab, I guess, is the verb. So those are all different verbs, too, depending on the context. So that's, whereas in English, it's always the same and you're just putting like pronouns mm. or whatever to change it. But in Nishnabe, when those are three, whether you're seeing someone else, seeing it, or just seeing, those are three different verbs. And, and then, right? different people can see it and one person can see the other person or it can be conjunct or I don't see them or when I don't see them. So mm. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, it's very verb heavy, which is a lot different than English. So I don't know how, like there are rules and patterns and conventions with the language, like any language, because that's what makes it a language. That's mm. how we understand each other. Right. And um, we do understand them. Like we know the rules inherently, just like English, we know all the grammar rules. But does that mean I could sit down and teach those patterns to someone who's coming over from Japan, right? Probably not. But Mm -hmm. I know the rules, but I don't. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's where a lot of our fluent speakers are at. And so that's now I feel like I'm defending second language learner teachers, (laughs) (laughs) Um, right? Because like we're... Yeah. I don't know. I kind of went on a tangent, but I think we have to accept that there are rules and patterns to our language, just like any other language, right? That's what makes it understandable is that we're all kind of following the same conventions, right? And it doesn't matter what you call them, uh, as long as you know what they are and how they work, then you're speaking. Yeah. And it's kind of tough. Everything with the Schnabim one is more complicated. <laughs> like we were talking last time about um, when you try to learn the language, there's like, there's baggage, there's emotional baggage. There's like, there's baggage with every aspect of, of learning the Schnabim one. So like, um, just like the grammar aspect of it and even just examining it in that sort of way, in that like linguistic sort of thing. There's a huge, um, a lot of people are really opposed to that. And you'll hear people say that, um, our language is not to be, um, not to be examined like that, not to be taken apart. And, um, you know, you want to respect those teachings, but at the same time, you still want to learn the language. So it's like, okay. Um, even like, even to write it down. Um, I think a long time ago, a lot of people said like, it's not, it's not a, not to be written that way. So we shouldn't write it down. And, um, things, I think things are changing now, um, among like older speakers, um, who might've been opposed to that in the past. Um, they understand that like, okay, well, you know, if we want to pass the language on, we're going to have to use these tools so that, um, people like us, you know, can, can pick it up. Um, so yeah, that's, um, it's complicated because not just, not just because grammar is tough, but because the whole topic of grammar in itself is, um, it's it's complicated with with the <laughs> one. Everything's complicated. So yeah. 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 And 
I, yeah, that's what I mean. I totally get that resistance. Like it's, and that's what I meant when I, it's not ideal. Um, because if we think of the way our fluent speakers have learned English was that way with a lot mm. of trauma, residential schools, mm-hmm. um, and so on and so forth. So, um, there's a lot of resistance to that for good reason. I don't think though it's the same way for us as, as, English speakers that are trying to learn the language and using these tools, it's mm. a, it is different. So there's, there's that piece to it. Um, yeah. And there's also, and you might be an expert on this, um, like how just white academia in general treats native people and our languages and, and how a lot of that was written down. A lot of it was Jesuits too, back in the day, like the, um, I don't know. Right. Mm. So there's resistance to that too, which I get. Um, but it doesn't, for me, I do like these tools that I have because before that I was just spinning my wheels, spinning my wheels. So I don't know if this is encouraging to anyone listening, but like (laughs) that baggage isn't there for me. Mm. Um, it's just a tool. Right. Um, and I would never teach my son this way. Like I'm, I'm studying all the time so that I can just speak to him and Mm. he's, he's coming along pretty good and he doesn't know any of that. Hmm. Yeah. You make a good point about, um, well, something I think about is learning the grammar stuff and that whole part of it is pretty, um, you know, it's book learning. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of academic, which doesn't work for everybody. Um, and thankfully I'm able to learn that way. Not everyone can, um, or it's not everyone's strong suit. So that's tough. I don't know how to, um, support people who, um, you know, who have a hard time with it. Actually, you know what? I feel like you, people like you and other, um, second language learners who are also teachers are able to convey, um, convey these things in a way that like, you know, people don't have to be, uh, an academic to, to learn them. So I know I think that's one, I guess that's one advantage yet another advantage of, um, learners, um, teaching as well. But, um, yeah, the whole academic thing is a barrier. Um, even just accessing the language in, in a college or university, for example, that's a barrier. Like we, um, uh, yeah, it's not an easy place for native people to, to access. So yeah, yet another reason why it's complicated. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and just to go back to that point, I, I do teach this way. So I am a teacher. I'm not, I'm not thrilled about <laughs> being a teacher because I'd rather just learn and learn mm. some more. Mm. Um, that being said, I do feel a responsibility. All of us, what we learn, we do have to pass on and teach. Mm. So, so I'm doing that piece with that, I guess. Um, and I do feel comfortable, right? In my approach, or pedagogy, or whatever you want to call it, is like, I'm in the same boat as you guys, here's what works for me, I'm gonna, Mm. right, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna help you avoid the mistakes that I made, and show you the quicker way, and just kind of break it down, and talk, like, talk, talk you through it step by step, like a person, and not, like, read these books, and yeah, whatever, but that being said, no, you're totally right, like, not everyone can learn this way, and I have lost students, um, mm-hmm. trying to teach this way, but I don't know like any other way to teach it. Um, so there's 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 this way that I teach, and it's very grammar heavy. 
Um, or we can just do numbers, colors, and animals, <laughs> which is like, I don't know, which is fun, but you're not going to be fluent in the language by just naming a bunch of things mm-hmm. when it's like a verb heavy language. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to, yeah, that's something that I need to add to my teaching repertoire. I actually added it to my work plan last year at work to take some courses on teaching, um, you know, with how to teach people with learning disabilities and stuff like that, oh, okay, just yeah. to, to be right. Um, never did it though. Yeah. <laughs> it was busy. I was, I don't have time. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a sore spot for me, like, because we, we do lose people that way. Hmm. Um, but I don't know any other way. Like a lot for a lot, a lot of people, it does work. Hmm. Um, but I do lose some people. Well, yeah, I, th- I don't know. Yeah. I think, um, if we were to be able to be immersed 24 seven, for a couple of years, then yeah, you can pick it up without, well, eh, you can pick up mostly without (laughs) having to learn, having to resort to books. But the fact of the matter is we don't have that, um, you know, we don't have access to that. We can't, our world is going to do that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Our world is in English. Um, sadly, whether we like it or not. So we got to deal with that and we don't have the opportunity to be immersed um, to that degree. Well, maybe some people can, you know, um, if you still have speakers in your family, um, elders, maybe go live with them for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, but that will be, that would be very difficult. Um, so yeah, learning some, some basic grammar stuff is a hack to, um, to pick it up faster. And, and I was going to touch on that point too. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up, but I do hear oftentimes this magical number going around of you only need so many hours of learning or instruction or immersion mm. or whatever to become fluent. Um, I, and that's debatable too, because mm. I think that number is probably for a European language or a language that isn't endangered. And like, yeah, someone could be immersed in English and, <laughs> And learn it real fast because, you know, because everyone speaks English, everything, everything in print and on the internet is in English. You turn on the TV, everything's in English. You turn on the radio, everything's in English. Hmm. Then like, yeah, you're like 110% immersed. But for Nishnabemwen and other endangered languages, you may be lucky if you have a a grandma that you, mm. that you can live with and that's as much immersion as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have friends that have, I'm thinking of this, this one buddy of mine I went to high school with um, his wife was from Nepal and he want, and he learned her language mm. um, and they speak it to their kid and now and everything. But, um, and he went to Nepal and lived with his in-laws and stuff and, oh, wow. and did all that. But he was like really serious. So we used to meet up once in a while because I because we we're both language learners and mm-hmm. we just chat about it. Um, but he did that with his wife. He's like, don't speak English to me. Just speak. I think it's Nepali. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was getting mad at him. <laughs> She's, you know, like I come home from work. I'm tired. I just want to, you know, get in my sweatpants and eat dinner and watch Netflix and like here's my husband in my ear just bugging me and like am I saying it correctly well why do you say it this way and she's like just because leave me alone like I don't want to teach right now (laughs) so um yeah that like that can if it's all hanging on one person like that's that's a lot too I'm not saying don't do it I'm just saying like Hmm. um 
we need to do all of these things, right? It's like everything helps, but it's yeah. not just one thing. Yeah. And it takes a special type of person to be that gung ho about it. <laughs> you know, if you're going to move to Nepal <laughs> with your in-laws, like husband of the year right there. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, you also, you said something about uh, that magic number that people say is like, Oh, you need this many hours to be fluent. Um, even the concept of fluency, you know, yeah. I remember thinking too, when I was first starting, I was like, Oh, I want to be fluent. I want to be fluent. That's like the magic word. Right. And people yeah. ask me, Oh, are you fluent? It's like, yeah, I'm fluent. Um, what is fluency? Uh, yeah. we can say a couple sentences back and forth. That's technically fluent. Like yeah. I'm fluent enough that way. Um, but yeah, it's like a magic word and, um, you know, people who haven't been in the trenches, the people who aren't doing the work, um, they, they aren't familiar with that. They don't realize that, um, it's not that easy and it's not like, it doesn't work that way. So I get, um, one analogy I like to make is, um, you know, people think I speak Nishnabimun and I do to a degree, but like, um, I'm not very good. If you like, squint your ears. <laughs> yeah. If you squint your ears, I sound real good. If you hear me, um, from across the room then. Yeah. But yeah, I, um, I have a lot to learn. I can carry on conversations with elders and stuff and that's great, but, um, I really have a lot to learn, but people think, Oh, that, that guy knows the language. It's like, eh, okay. Kind of. So the analogy I make is like, you know, the old Chinese guy down at the corner store who, um, you know, you can <laughs> speak to him in English and you understand everything he's saying. Um, is he speaking perfect English? No, not to any any degree even though he has lived um lived in an english-speaking country for 30 years now um he's still got an accent still has some like you know doesn't use grammar patterns properly that's kind of like that's how i sound speaking to shnabemun so people can understand me like most yeah. um well depends on the day some days i can't uh can't even make a simple sentence but um <laughs> so yeah there's no um what is fluency there's no magic, um, level and, um, you know, not knocking this hypothetical Chinese guy at the corner store, but, um, <laughs> in order to, you know, people can gain native like fluency of a language. Um, but it's not that easy. You can't just immerse yourself and you'll magically get there. You need to, um, put in some work and like study the, the language. Um, yeah, study it grammatically and see these things that fluent speakers can't explain because um you know we can't explain our first language i told you i i'm learning spanish and i have this um spanish partner who she's from colombia she's learning english i'm learning spanish so we have this exchange where we get together and um you know just speak each other's languages and she like all the time things come up like i'll say something in english and she'd be like why did you say that and i'm like I don't know why I said that. And same thing with in Spanish. It's like, how, how why'd you say it this way? She's like, it, that's just how you say it. And we're both like, well, yeah. fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, um, yeah. because these two languages are studied so in depth, you can pick up books and understand why we use certain things, certain phrases and everything like that. So, um, yeah, you can get there. So the and answers are out there, but not every speaker knows why. Yeah. And you um, said those things. Yeah. And stuff that like, um, when done, like his discourse markers book that, um, 
that's the stuff right there. That's like the stuff we can't understand. And we kind of got to like read it in a book to figure out what's going on there. Even then that's hard to understand. Like just the concept yeah. of a discourse marker. Um, probably took me about three years to really know. And I think maybe just in the past couple of months, I've, I've finally understood like how they, how they function. Cause it's hard. Yeah. Like, language is hard. Language yeah. is extremely complicated. Yeah. Um, Marianne, when she read his, his book, or I don't know, I guess it was a dissertation that got turned into a book, but um, she was telling me, I like the way she explained it to me. And she said, you know, the stuff that I'm teaching, like, you know, verbs, how they work, how to conjugate them. She's like, if you're building a house, like I'm teaching you the foundations. Mm. And then she says, then you look at those discourse markers that Brendan Fairbanks is doing, and he's like picking out the color of the window oh, trim yeah, yeah, and, nice. like, you know, like all the fine details. Right. Um, so that's how I like to think of it too. Right. And yeah. And the other thing too, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that idea of fluency because that kind of is like a myth or a stereotype or something. Mm. Um, I always thought of it too, as like I was going to summit Mount Everest and then I would be fluent right. and then my job is done. Right. <laughs> like I've reached the pinnacle and there's nowhere else for me to go. Now I'm fluent and I'm real sacred and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but um yeah, like fluency is more like a spectrum, like it's on mm. a it's on a scale, right? Mm-hmm. And you there's different levels of fluency. And even once we started to learn how to do assessment of speeches, I learned fluency means something totally different actually when um right when we were doing those oral proficiency interviews. Right, right. Fluency is something you're looking for and it I think it's just like how fluid is your speech? Like are you able mm. to just blah 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 blah, right? Right. Anyway. So there's that. But yeah, now I realize for at least for myself, like there's never, I don't know, like a, there, I've never reached the pinnacle. I'm just always learning. And that's the mm-hmm. way that's the way it should be. And even most of our fluent speakers, like not all of them are William Shakespeare's in the language, right? It's the same mm-hmm. as any other language. Some people are way better communicators than others. Some people are way better writers or storytellers than others. So it's the same thing even amongst our fluent speakers, right? Mm. Um, and a lot of the elders and speakers out there that I hear are some of the best are ones that never stop learning. Like they're still learning, they're still speaking, and mm. they just never gave it up kind of thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so we just have to accept as language learners ourselves that it's just a lifelong journey, lifelong learning, and that's not a bad thing. Um yeah, it's yeah. um, it's a good thing in a way. It's it's fun. Well, I don't know, it's two sides of the coin, right? It's discouraging on one hand when um, <laughs> you know you're never gonna be you know reach that summit, but on the other hand, it's fun. Like it's um, learning. There's more cool stuff to learn all the time. Like so, yeah, you have to you have to love learning. I think that's a point. Well, relates to a point you brought up last time is like. Um, to learn the language, you got to learn how to be a good learner. And, um, yeah, that's, um, that's totally it. Yeah. And yeah. And, and myself too, I, like I said, going back to that point, I always thought my goal was I'm going to reach the summit of Mount Everest. I'm going to be fluent and, you know, my purpose is achieved. My job here is done. I don't think that anymore. Like I, I think maybe my son might, and that's like the most that I can hope for. And I don't know. Right. Yeah, I just, I don't want, I don't know. 
I st- but um but the other side to that is if I think that way then I'm kind of giving up like maybe it is possible because I look at someone like Kevin Schilling Ritchie hmm. who is like a beast yeah <laughs> like he's like always a speaker always reading something always studying always working hmm. um and like he's come very far like and I think at his trajectory I think he could reach th- right. that hypothetical <laughs> summit and so I'm like well geez like you know like so Kevin's a role model for me so mm-hmm. it, it is good to see other people doing it because I'm like well maybe I shouldn't be so discouraging maybe it is still possible mm-hmm. for me I don't know hopefully but I'm not foolish enough to I'm also not foolish enough to think that it's that way or nothing at all I don't know yeah yeah we do what we can when we can right and someone like kevin learned in two three years what took me 10 years because um well because he had people like you and he had better um supports he had people um who had come before to um you know to be able to teach some of the stuff that we didn't know when we first started but it's also his work ethic you know and um like i said earlier um you got to work for it. It's, um, it doesn't come magically and those who put the time in, it really shows like, so yeah. Yeah. Once upon a time we we filmed the TV show, myself, Kevin and Albert Owl for APTN. Uh, it's called future histories. I think we were on season two. We're interspersed throughout each episode. Hmm. Um, so there's a little language piece in each episode on the second season, I think. But, um, so we they we were like they rented out this big cottage like resort and so there was like cabins and whatever and uh so kevin and i shared one cabin and it was like two bedrooms a bathroom and a little kitchenette living room space and um he was up at like 5 a.m every day in his room just like reading and studying and like that was his I was that was his routine. Meanwhile, it's like, oh, we have to film at eight. So mm. I was out of bed at seven forty five. And there's Kevin like sipping his tea, reading his books. <laughs> I was like, Wow, this guy is a beast. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to have him on the show so he can teach us his tricks. Um, mm. I was also thinking too about dictionaries and mm. you kinda need like there should be a course on how to use dictionaries. I thought it was funny. Our buddy Keith Montroy from Alderville, he said the dictionary is a book of questions more so than a book of answers. <laughs> that's um, a good point. Because that's not learner friendly. Like you kind of need to know how the language works and, and how the grammar works to be able to use it. Right. So if we look up C, if I want to say like, I hmm. see, um, I don't know. Did you see me? I don't, right? right. If you look up C, it's going to give you mob ma, which mm. I which I don't know, which means he, he, he or she is seen. I guess. Yeah. What Does depends on the dictionary? Like depends on what they take as like the bait. The well, root form. In right? Marianne's, she has wab ma. Hmm. That's how she writes them. Anyway, you can't do anything with that. You like if you look at that as a learner, you probably think, okay, so the word for C is wab ma, hmm. and then you might do something funky like, like did you see? I don't even know, like gin wab ma gin or something, yeah, yeah. right? Because that's yeah. how we would do that in English. Mm-hmm. But you actually 
you're actually working with wabam and anyway so it'd be a key wabam na um so there's no way you would ever get any of that information to put it into a sentence just looking at the dictionary if you weren't already kind of an intermediate or advanced speaker like you kind of need to know how it works too and i don't even teach students how to use the dictionary until like year two hmm. because they have to know all this other stuff to how the grammar because if i just show them how the dictionary works then i'm just teaching them grammar all over again right so hmm. yeah and the schnabim one is not um a dictionary friendly language it doesn't work like yeah. <laughs> like you said um yeah dictionaries are not ideal for for the language um yeah excellent point I think now that I'm a little bit more advanced, dictionaries are fun and I just like go diving into them and I know how some of the more advanced features work so I can figure stuff out or hack things. Mm -hmm. um, or even now, right, like when I, if I hear a word, a new word that I might not know what it means, but I can figure out what they're probably talking about. Hmm. So <laughs> I'll give you an example. Uh, the first time I heard the word Jabkauze, I'm like, job is it? And everyone was laughing at me because I'm like, what is that? I'm like, it sounds like something is like passing through. And everyone, they're like, yeah, it's diarrhea. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's a very visual image there, right? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if that's grammar. I guess that kind of is grammar, but. Well, yeah. Because um, you pick up these patterns, right? Yeah, even. Um quote unquote verb stems have different parts to them. Like there's those little things you picked out in that verb are, um, yeah, how verbs are built, which works completely different from English. Like, um, yeah. Oh, another time. Uh, anyway, someone, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into the details because then it's, it has to do with Nana Bush, but someone was <laughs> trying to retell like, how how Chiging got its name or what does Chiging mean in the language hmm. and um, there's different versions of stories but someone was trying to retell the one that uh, Alan Corbier shares but they were getting stuck so I was like I know exactly what they're talking about so I helped out and then I was I was talking about when Nanabush ran through here that's where he dropped that tool hmm. um, and I never knew the word I don't even know what it is now. I already forget. <laughs> I'm telling this story and I'm like, I don't know how it ends. But forget the um, yeah, I I didn't know the word for run through. And then I just kind of pieced together some stems. Hmm. Um, I think I might say, yeah, like when he ran through here. And so mm. I knew like that Jiba had to do with passing through and Bato is running. So I smacked them together, Jiba Bato. Mm. And um, everyone knew what I was saying, all the speakers. So like, oh, yeah, right. when he ran through here and I was like, holy cow, like I made up a word. <laughs> Not that I made up a word, but in my mind, right? I I knew enough patterns that pieced together some stuff and it worked. Yeah, and that's... um that's how the language works. And that's arguably how fluent speakers are speaking when they, when they speak. <laughs> um, because English is so like noun heavy things have names and, you know, we just got, we just use words, uh, sorry, like individual words, throw them together. And that's how English works in the Schnabe one. You kind of got to like, um, piece things together beforehand. And, um, so yeah, that's why, 
when there's not a word in the Schnabim one for something and speakers will come up with a word or they'll talk amongst each other on how to say it. Um, because those, yeah, they're creating words all the time as they speak. And that's just, um, that's the way the language works, which is super cool. Yeah. So th that's what we talk. That's what you, that's what we're talking about when we say how descriptive the language is, because it really mm. is, it's describing like what's happening. So everything, right. Everything is action based and comes, comes from verbs mostly. That's pretty much what I teach. Cause I'm like, well, you can just memorize some nouns. You don't need me to, hmm. to do that. But yeah. So do you think we convinced people? Why does, why does grammar, why, do, <laughs> why are we pro grammar? Um, probably at the same time. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like we've talked about this and, um, I don't want to be too jingus, but, um, a lot of people make excuses for not learning the language. And I think, um, people will find many ways to do that. And one of them could be, Oh, it's, um, uh, yeah, this grammar stuff is too hard. Yeah. Like I'm, I can't do it. I can't do it. And, um, now nah, everyone can do it. You just gotta put the work in. So yeah, I don't want to sound like, um, I'm being okay, judgmental. But yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that this just kind of ties back to the points that we've already been making. But um, another good tip that I've heard that I've seen work for other people is transcribing the language, right? Uh, so if you have a recording or even better, if it's a video, because I would, you know, hmm. like most of our communication is visual. Hmm. Um, so but as long as you can hear them, right? So transcribing is you're writing down word for word what the speaker is saying in the language, and then you go back and translate it. And bonus, if you have access to that speaker again, so you can go back and sit with them. Hmm. Um, because when you go through everything word for word with a fine tooth comb like that, you realize there's a lot that you're missing when you're just speaking hmm. in real time. Um, and I think like my... I, I mean, and you're a linguist, so you probably might know what's actually going on. But like my theory is that people just want to be understood and understand each other. So I don't know everything a speaker is saying, right? Hmm. Um, but I get the gist of it, right? Or my mind can fill in the blanks based on context. Mm -hmm. But so I'm understanding the gist of it, but I'm not picking up on every word. Um, and so myself, where one of my struggles is syntax i guess like word order hmm. um so i still don't know like what is what is the good word or order so if i if which i haven't <laughs> done in a while if i did sit down and transcribe hmm. right you're starting to pick up on those patterns um hmm. and every single little word and all of those little discourse markers right those mm -hmm. clitic shs dash that that's gonna pop up everywhere so i don't know hmm. Gua, na, um, word syntax or word order, all of those little things, um, you're going to pick up a lot and to go back. And so I did do this one time. I'm not done. I'm not a hundred percent done yet. Um, I come back to it every over the years, but I have a recording of a speaker telling a story. Hmm. I transcribed it all. Um, and then what I did was I, for me, what helps is if I translate word for word into English so I can see the order. And then my third line, I translate into how would it be phrased 
like properly in English, hmm. um, just so I know what they're saying. Um, and I thought it was interesting. So the way that I learned about, or one of the ways that I learned about dash, um, which pops up as a contraction, right? You just hear that SH hmm. attached to other words. And I'm like, why did she say, I don't know, can't remember something ish. And I'm like, why did I thought I'm like, was that a pejorative ending or, right. you know? And so I asked her about it and she looked kind of puzzled at first. She's like, what do you mean? Like, this is what I said. Like, here's the sentence. I'm like, I know, but what is that SH sound right. doing there? And so it took her a while and I could see the wheels turning. And then I think she described it as like, I think she just said like, it's a continuation from what I had already said. Like, I'm just continuing on with the story. Mm -mm. And then, you know, I go to my grammar books and I learn all about Dush and, you know, it's kind of like a topic changer or like, Hmm. And, and then kind of function. Right. And it's like, okay, that's what she was, that's basically what she was saying, right? right. Um, but to be able to pick up on those really fine things so that you're an excellent speaker, right? Like, that's, I don't know any other way to do that than, than uh, transcribing and translating. Yeah, I don't think we've even really talked about that much yet. That is super helpful, like transcription. Um, and I think that's something we should promote among among learners. Um, I do it a fair bit. I haven't in the past few months because I've been working on some other stuff for my um, for my studies. But um, I had been doing a lot of transcription of recordings I had with um, my auntie Audrey and even some older stuff with my gram. It's super helpful. Like it is. It's fun too. It's like it's time consuming. It can be a bit yeah. um, bit of a grind, but it's super fun and it's super helpful for learning. So. Um, yeah, we should um, promote that among learners because you don't need uh, you don't need to be an expert to just dive in. If you have a recording, just like write it out the way you think, um, the way you hear it, and you know, write it out as best you can. If you can verify things with the speaker who um, you know who said it originally, talk to them about it, and um, you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. It's also helpful for um, for your own pronunciation to like to listen to the language that much. Like we, um, my pronunciation is not great. I used to think it was, um, um, okay, but <laughs> doing some work and hearing myself, uh, talk, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of tough, but that's good. It's kind of what you got to do. You gotta like, um, you gotta hear yourself, but yeah, doing transcription, listening to recordings of, um, speakers is helpful for that too. So I would yeah. say that if people are opposed to, um, well, not oppose, but like have a hard time with the book learning and the grammar, just um, record something with uh, with a speaker and then write it out, write it out the way you hear it and talk to them about it. That's um, that's a way, a really effective way to learn without having to, um, you know, just grind through a book. You do have to do that too, but uh, transcription super, uh, super good. And I also like, I do that a bunch for my linguistic studies. So if anyone out there has, um, questions. Um, yeah. Email me. We'll talk about transcription. I got tips and tricks and, um, software you can use and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I first found out about that. I asked, uh, I asked someone at Oog, like I, at the time I was living in Ottawa, so I live in Ottawa. I don't know any speakers. I'm not around anyone. So what is something that I could do when I go home to keep 
the, my, my momentum up and they said transcription. So that's kind of like the next best thing. And you mm. don't like it's, I think it is more ideal if you have access to the speaker afterwards, but there's mm. lots of stuff that's already out there right on YouTube, on Facebook that you could transcribe and even mm. ask other speakers or, or whatever. Right. So anything, but I know, I do know there is a point towards the beginning of your language journey where you don't even know where one word begins yeah. and the other ends. Yeah. So that might be kind of choppy at first um but eventually it does get better and and two like this the same transcription i've been working on this for like seven years probably five eight years um i go back and i still correct my original transcription because i'm like oh i heard that wrong it's clear as day now it's so obvious Mm. that this is what they were saying but a lot of stuff i have question marks because yeah because i didn't know where one or one word begins and the other ends and yeah yeah and transcript uh, recordings will um they'll always be useful like um you listen to them again after a while and you pick up something that you never picked up the first time because mm-hmm. you didn't even know what was going on like that's um that's another super helpful thing about having recordings and to like you know document preserve um fluent speakers speech but yeah uh it will always be useful. I go back to recordings um, that I've had forever. And um, I always learn more because at the time, I don't know. I didn't know something. And we don't hear what we don't know. And um, this is another, yeah. is another um, you know, in defense of grammar, we don't know what we don't know. So yeah. if someone can't point out, if we don't learn beforehand what... Um, what Dush is doing, for example, like what is the function? You'll never of, hear it. Yeah, you don't even hear it. You don't even like, or you just ignore it. It's just like, okay, that's yeah, whatever. Everything, everything means something. Like no speaker in any language ever says something for nothing. Everything has meaning. Um, yeah, even when you just say, "Oh, Nishan Dikit," I'm saying it for nothing. You're saying it for something. <laughs> <laughs> Jitta, get get the kid. (laughs) You're saying it on purpose. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what was, yeah, oh, and that reminded me too of a lot of our, there's lots of really good bilingual books, right? So my favorite books are Hmm. when they're the recordings that are transcribed and translated. And so on one side, you'll have the Nishnabimun, and on the other side, corresponding number is the translation. Hmm. Um, But uh, those are good too to read out loud. I like reading those out loud before bed because then I'm like dreaming about them all night. Um, When I was pregnant, I used to read all of those books out loud all the time because I'm mm. like, this is the only time my son's going to hear me speak perfectly in the language. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I, so and me and my husband. So and so he's he started reading with me out loud before bed too. We'd take turns. Uh, um, but that's a good way to practice correct speech, right? And mm. sometimes you don't even know what you're saying, but at least you're saying something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can, like you said, you always have those books that you go back to, right? They're always there and you just pick up more and more each time mm-hmm. um, that you read them. And I do the same thing with the books. I look at the translation, um, but again, because I'm really trying to figure out like word order, mm-hmm. um, I just go and I rewrite them myself. Um, and so that's one of my, right, becoming a good learner. I know that I need to write stuff down to like lock it into my memory somehow mm. like that's just how i operate 
Um, so I have to write it or like if I'm in a class and people say, oh, you don't need to write, like you're going to get a handout later. I'm like, no, this is my active listening. Like I do need to write to mm-hmm. like really hear it. Um, so I'll go back to those books and I'll write them out in the language and then I'll write them word for word, the like what each word means in English and then underneath the English translation because it's not going to be worded the same right that the Anishinaabe one is mm-hmm. um and i'm really just trying to look for those patterns right mm-hmm. um yeah yeah that's the way to do it yeah so i think like for myself right now i'm probably i'm probably still at sentence level uh i'm not at a pair i'm definitely not at a point where i could tell a story or a legend um i feel like Mm. that's like a whole art in itself and that's almost because that's like almost all conjunct forms discourse markers um and all that kind of stuff so i'm not there yet Mm. um with my son we 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 do a lot of me dashes for everything we're probably doing it wrong Mm. right like you do this and then we're gonna do this right right take a bath and then you're gonna have snack um Mm. So I don't know. That's where I'm at. I I want to go all the way. I want to be able to tell a story in the language. But for myself, grammar is really helpful. Not grammar, sorry. Immersion is really helpful. And the more I do it, I just kind of go back into the swing of things. For myself, though, when I'm in immersion, I'm learning new words because there's a lot of stuff with my son that comes up where I'm like, oh, I've never had to say that, right? Or hmm. Like he's, he wants to know how to say robot and rocket ship and like all this, uh, you know, like what's a traffic cone um, in the language, right? And that was stuff that I would be like, oh, we just would never say that in the language. And now I'm like, well, apparently we do because hmm. <laughs> I have a choice. We can, I can either teach him more English, which he's never going to be like short of, like mm-hmm. he's never going to have an issue learning English or like I can figure out how would a speaker describe this so when i'm at immersion i'm like cornering speakers and i'm like what would you call a traffic cone like Mm. what would you call a robot and um yeah we we started calling uh, octopus shwasogade gigo (laughs) eight-legged fish right because it's got to be something i don't know Mm. um yeah so that's where i'm at in immersion but so that that's what it helps me for and like just practice speaking fluent language right so that it's coming out good Hmm. or and that i'm hearing speakers i'm hearing because i when you're in immersion and you're like immersed in it and surrounded by it it is easier to sound better Hmm. um, because you're hearing it from all right so you're kind of like mimicking what's being what you're surrounded by and being role modeled too but then when i'm out of immersion because you know I probably do immersion more than most people, like about three times a year, one to three times a year, depending, which is more than most people, which also isn't enough. <laughs> so when I'm not in immersion, what am I doing? Well, then it has to be grammar, <laughs> mm. right? And it's filling in those holes. Uh, you know, sometimes I can't say something in immersion, so I got to make a mental note of it. That's the other thing immersion is good for is showing you what you don't know. Oh, and yeah. 
it's easy to get discouraged, but a true language speaker is like, okay, I'm adding that to my list and I'm Mm going to figure it out. Right. So that's really what immersion is there for. Um, So yeah, sometimes there's things I don't know how to say, or I have questions about it that just can't be explained in immersion. Uh, So you need some English to someone to say like, look, this is, this is what this means and this is why and blah, 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 right. To fully understand it for you to be able to turn around and use it and master it yourself. So then, you know, the other 300 and something days of the year, Hmm. that's grammar time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's just, yeah, it's just filling in those gaps. Yeah. um, Immersion is super good for pointing out what you need to, um, yeah, what you need to work on. And maybe not even immersion, even just like trying to speak to your son, for example. I remember um, last time I saw you guys, which was a while ago now, it was like, okay, I'm, I got to speak, um, speak the language. And within like 10 minutes, I was like, holy shit, I do not have, don't, don't know how to say anything in the language, like trying to speak to Bidoske, right? It's like, I don't know this, I don't know that. It was really revealing just, um, you know, just trying to do immersion with a little kid and like um, how much I, how much I don't know. Yeah. And on and that note, if anyone's considering doing that with your family or whatever, right? Don't be discouraged by that because like there are lots of examples of families out there that don't know how to say these things, but they still won't speak English mm-hmm. to their kids and um, their kids are still becoming out fluent. <laughs> so you don't have to be a master or perfect. You just have to be relentless. Yeah. And um yeah, that's a good point because kids will figure it out. Well, as long as they got like yeah um, enough input input right. So just um, show them as much language as you can. You know, like read the books. Um, you know, connect them with um, speakers and stuff like that. So, um, what does Awani Gabo say? He says, "Fake it. We gotta fake it until they make it." Which means like we might not understand why or how we do certain things in language, but as long as we copy um, fluent speakers, the little kids are going to like figure it out. They'll make it. So we got to fake it so that they can make it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. And going, I think we already touched on this, but going back to immersion, it will get you very, it's the only answer for kids right up to a certain age for adults. It's not the only answer. It's a big piece of it, but again, it's like grammar and immersion going hand in hand because um I, the other thing myth i hear going around is like right you just just talk to me like i'm a baby that's how we that's how we learn mm. english right that, that's how i learned the language and it's like yeah because you were a baby <laughs> <laughs> we are not right our brains don't work that way anymore mm. so it's not only immersion you just need to be immersed just go live with an old person and like everything will magically like there's lots of reasons why that is not um, true and, mm. and it's not to discourage. It's just to be realistic. Like you can, they go hand in hand, like you, you can't. And I've seen lots of people that have just done solely grammar and then showed like Kevin and then showed up to immersion and he was pretty much already fluent. So <laughs> yeah. if anything, you could almost argue that grammar for an adult might be more important Hmm. than immersion it's not you need both right but Mm -hmm. i think we're really 
unpopular opinion, like we're really underselling grammar. And our speakers are aging and they're they're gonna die soon. I sorry that sounds morbid. That's mm. just the truth of it. And then what? So what I've seen work for successful second language learners is grammar and immersion. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's you can be picky or you can save your language. <laughs> can't be both. That's uh that's a good point. Like any second language learner I know who um who can actually speak, that's the way it's done. Um if someone can show me an easier way or another way, like a way other um methods, then please i'd like to see them because i need we need every tool we can uh we can use right so but yeah grammar and immersion that's how you learn as an adult as an adult yeah did we is everyone gonna learn grammar now should (laughs) should we (laughs) should we recommend some good books or some good yeah that's another tough thing is resources there are resources out there but there's no um I don't know. It's kind of tough. There's no like one. There's no one. And there's, you can't really have one resource because um, our language is not standardized, right? The um, There's a number of dialects, so-called dialects, and they vary. They don't vary a whole lot grammatically, but they vary um, sound-wise. For example, like Odawa and Eastern Ojibwe, where we say Nishnabemwen, we've got like the vowel syncopation, whereas in Western dialects, they say Nishnabemwen with all the all their unstressed short vowels. So yeah, there's no one resource. Um, and it's kind of tough. Um, we have mentioned Marianne, Marianne's course books that she used at the university of Sudbury. Those are effective. Like if someone who speaks Odawa or an Eastern dialect, um, wants a resource, that's the one, like, those are the ones that worked for me, worked for other people. Um, there's other stuff out there, but I don't know anything that's like in one package like that. I really wish that um, the Ojibwe program here at University of Minnesota um, had something, had their own course materials because, um, well, Zoe, Zoe Brown, she teaches the beginner and intermediate and Wanigabo teaches the advanced stuff. And between the two of them, um, man, they know, they know so much shit. And uh, I took zoe's intermediate course i skipped the beginner one because i like tested in whatever so i didn't have to take the beginner but um in those courses they're teaching so much in the span of a couple years that took me like 10 years to learn in Mm -hmm. on my own so if they were to be able to create their own course materials like workbooks workbooks like marianne did for um for the university of sudbury that would be super helpful and um I need to talk to them about it. I don't know why. Um, I guess there's time, time and money, but like, I don't know. I think the, the university should support them in being able to do that, you know, give them the time and the money to create that because yeah, yeah that would be super helpful. So I actually, I actually applied for funding to write a book like that. Okay. Um, here in Rama mm. and they said, no. and i even had samples like i even had started a draft and i was like here we go and i Hmm. had anyway so if someone i wants to find me i could do that too but i would rather read uh zoe Hmm. and brendan's but yeah i get that question all the time like is there a book or a course and it's like no you just gotta diy it and like i wish there was an easier way 
Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend, I don't even know how you would get those course books from the University of Sudbury slash Laurentian or whatever mm. that Marianne Corbier wrote. Um, but she's got workbooks and lexicons. Hmm. So however you, I know Ken Gawain Teg is taking over. So maybe that might be your, if anyone is like really gung ho, maybe I would start there, I guess. Hmm. Um, or beg, borrow, or steal. <laughs> mm. Um, I know, I think Patricia Ningwatz's book, Talking oh, yeah. Gokum's Language, yeah, is a yeah. good one. That's a different dialect. So she's Sioux Lookout area, right? Black Soul, um, I think. Yeah. But the grammar, like you said, like the grammar is pretty much the same across the board. It's just write certain things, certain words and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but like for myself, like I learned every dialect there is, to mm. whoever would teach me. Um, and eventually I got to a point where I could kind of like pick my dialect, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to have to do a whole episode on dialects and which, mm. and we'll once and for all, we'll figure out which dialect is the best one. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most correct. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So so disclaimer, the dialect I, or I try to speak anyway, was from Manitoulin Island because all of my teachers have, and most of my experience has been in Manitoulin, mm. so Odawa. And so I get lots of slack for that, <laughs> especially now that I live in Rama and I don't speak my dialect or know it. Um, mm. But I think my theory on that is kind of like whatever dialect you were first exposed to is Mm. like that's the language in your mind so me growing up in Sudbury all my speakers were from wiki so like that's what the language sounds like to me right um so I think that's why I just gravitated towards towards that dialect but anyway um suffice it to say like you said right there's different books that are written well in different dialects, I wouldn't let that hold you back because mm. if you stick around, right, if you learn enough and become advanced enough, you'll get to the point where you can kind of pick your dialect. And and now, for the most part, when I hear someone speak the language, I know where they're from mm. by their di- how they're speaking, right? I can tell where they're where they're from. So the first time I met Rochelle Allen, who lives in Toronto, I was like, oh, she's from Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> come to find out she's from toronto but she was just using minnesota books yeah. um yeah so so i would definitely recommend marianne's book patricia ningwants's book i would mm. recommend uh rand valentine's that big blue one nishnabe when reference grammar again spoiler lots of people don't like it it gets a lot of flack because it's written down it's a linguist right mm. Um, but if we can get past that, and it is really advanced, like you kind of do need to be a linguist to understand it, or you will learn linguistics from <laughs> right. trying to read it. But all of the answers are in there, pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, if I'm stumped on something, right, when we talked about, oh, why did they say it that way? It's in his book most of the time. Hmm. Yeah. You just got to find it because it's a huge book. It's probably five pounds. It's bigger than the Bible. <laughs> I feel like there are some other good books out there too. I, I would know. say those are good ones for like workbooks. Yeah. For grammar stuff. And then there's all kinds of bilingual books out there too. Like tons of them. If you want to DIY it. Yeah. And even um, stuff online. There's so your, much your stuff lessons online. on your lessons online are really good for res 91. I always recommend people to them. Okay. Musquanquit has like short little, right. And you talk, you talk about VTAs. And yeah. Yeah. 
It could have so been better because I did. I just kind of like I don't I don't want to say I winged it, but if I had planned out better, because that took took um, over a couple of years. If I had like planned out to build everything on like a bit in a bit better way, yeah. it could have been good. But yeah, yeah. So those are good. Apparently, I don't like seeing myself, so I don't watch them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently people um, they they're helpful for people. So check those out. And you can come to Ashkenazhnab, Jack. I think we're running our two week immersion this summer. I don't know where or when yet, but we got <laughs> we got money, so it's gonna happen one way or another. Um, and going to those immersion camps and networking—that's where you're gonna find the hacks. That's where someone's gonna have like a cool, right, mm. verb paradigm or like a cool hack. And mm. you're like, oh my god, I've been doing it the hard way, right? That's so easy. So that's a big part of it too, is like networking and friends. Mm. Um, we have our own little network of like peers and we share stuff all the time or pick each other's brains and mm. yeah. So learn your grammar, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's we we're not in a position to be picky and choosy as adult learners. It's a very easy out if you don't want to learn the language. Oh, I don't like that way. That's hard for me. Like, mm. I'm sorry if that sounds kind of judgmental, but I do as a teacher, I hear that a lot. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, good luck. I don't know what else to, right. how else to, like, what other way there is, but it's just putting in the work right. and lifelong learning. I'm glad you brought up transcription. Yeah. That's such a fun, awesome way to, to work on language and to learn. I'm going to do some of that this afternoon now that I'm all fired up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. What um, you said something that you've heard students say that, okay, like I can't do this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we've touched on, touched on this, but, and we don't have time to get into it today, but it's something that I thought about is um, the barriers to learning the language. Um, It's more complicated with Nishinaabe when there's bigger barriers and there's like emotional barriers. So we always talk about how, okay, we recognize these things that there are um, these barriers, like the emotional thing, but not really how to address those. So I think um, we should talk about that next time, like literal things to do to address. Um, and it's kind of a touchy subject because you're working on like emotional trauma to, um, you know, to get over those things to help you um, be in a place to be able to work on the language and not have a mental breakdown every, every five minutes. Right. So yeah. I didn't we talk about that last episode. Did we? Oh, I was just thinking about like actual, well, I guess we did, but yeah, actual practical things to do. Not just like, Hey, you're going to have to do some healing without expanding <laughs> on it, without expanding on what that healing might look like. It's not an easy question to answer, but I don't know. Things like, um, ceremony, and even jognosh ways like therapy, that's um, that's helpful if you got stuff going on. Like I'm speaking from experience here. I'm not trying to be like, yeah. My husband's got to go to work. I think he's waiting for me to take take uh, my son. It's my turn to tap in. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say miigwech again, as always. I keep forgetting I have an email Let's get some people writing in and giving us questions, hmm. feedback, comments. Maybe we'll we'll read them on the show. Yeah. I can't remember what the email is, though. Oh, <laughs> shit. Wasn't it? Oh, no. Um, I forget. The language. One second. Something. Hey, language oh, podcast. 
at gmail.com. I, I was going to go Ani, and then I thought, am I excluding the people that say Anin? <laughs> so then to be inclusive, I just said, hey. <laughs> so it's heylanguagepodcast at gmail.com. Maybe we'll read your messages out on the show. Or maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> Only one way to find out. You got to send us an email. Yeah, and, email uh, us. I'm super let excited. Us know what you think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Anything from you? Uh, nope. Me been nope. watching the Nick. So uh, yeah, me question. Bama pika noya. Oh. Kachimi guach keep us in the Nick Manda the language podcast as Nick we will be dropping new episodes every second Wednesday. To send us a listener letter, write to us at heylanguagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Beverly McIver, and our podcast artwork is by Josh Paywis Steffley. The Language is produced with support from Yellowhead Institute. To learn more about Yellowhead, visit www.yellowheadinstitute.org. 